God did work. God showed up at camp this past week, two weeks ago. It was unbelievable watching some of the things that God did. Let me share you some of the numbers so that we can celebrate some of the things that God did. First of all, we saw 713 students attend camp this year. 713. Two years ago, we took 283. Last year, we took 563. This year, 713. Isn't it cool? Isn't it cool being at a church where we can celebrate what God did today, not what God was doing yesterday? Isn't that exciting? It really is. We saw 240 students saved, 136, was it 136, 134 volunteers, and 198 students get baptized. It was incredible watching what God did. It was pretty neat. I remember the, the first day of camp, it was middle school camp, and uh, Pastor Casey, Casey Benson was the communicator for a middle school camp, and he, um, he's preaching on stage. He gives an invitation, and we invite our students up to the stage when they give their life to Christ or they want to give their life to Christ. And literally, he said, if you want to give your life to Christ tonight, uh, man, just, just come forward right now. Half the camp came forward. Literally 300 students were there, about 150 students responded that night to the gospel. And literally we try to be professional at stage and all that kind of stuff, like, like here on Sunday morning and all that. We try to like not communicate with somebody in the back of the room trying to be goofy or anything. And he literally, as the camp pastor, looked at me in the back of the room and went, Nate, what do you want me to do with this? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, we weren't prepared for the whole camp to get saved the first day. I mean, it was incredible. So God did work in literally, on behalf of 240 students that gave their life to Christ, I want to look at all of our campuses and you broadcast. I want to look at you and say thank you for investing financially and prayerfully in the lives of these students because God showed up and we got to be a part of it. It's incredible. My name is Nate Dooley. I'm the student pastor here, next-gen pastor. I've got several different titles, but at the same time, I get to hang out with students for a living. It's pretty stinking fun. Um, I remember another night of camp. It was the second night of middle school camp. I looked at Pastor Joe, the one that was just given the, the welcome as the, the campus pastor here. It was pretty incredible. He, uh, he came up to me and he said, hey, man, we got 99 students getting baptized the last day of camp. And I looked at him joking. I don't want you to judge us here. I looked at him joking and went, bro, you can't get one more baptism? <laughs> and, he, uh, and as we're talking, this young man walks up and wants to talk to us about something. And he said, I got you, bro. And then we were kind of, kind of joking and all that. And we're just like praising God. And then we leaned over and he said, hey, man, what's going on? Because worship's going on. And he says, I said, hey, man, what's going on? And he said, I want to get baptized. And then Joe puts his hand on my shoulder and says, I got your 100, bro, and like dropped the mic and walked off. It was amazing. I mean, that was just an, a small example of all the things that happened at camp. And here's the thing. If you were in the room at all during that week and you said God did not show up, man, you missed out. It was really incredible. God did some incredible things. So speaking of camp, we got kids camp coming up. We're really excited about that. I've got my kids going to camp. I've got two of them. They are ecstatic about going to camp. My daughter's been to camp before, but my son hasn't. So this will be his first time going. We're really excited about sending them to camp. But here's the thing. We still need some help with a student, I'm sorry, with kids camp. And so if you're sitting there like, you know what? I didn't get to give to student camps. I'd love to give to the kids camp. If you want to, you can text 45777. Give a dollar amount. It costs $300 to send a kid to camp. Dollar amount and then unlimited camp. And that goes straight to the kids camp. And so we'd love for you to invest in that or you can give at the end of services as well. So here's the thing. For the past probably month, probably about six weeks, we've been talking to our students about showing up. 
We've been talking to them about showing up and being present where God has them. We talked to them about Old Testament and New Testament characters, about how they showed up and God used them. We've talked to them about how God has showed up in their life and how God can show up in their life. And so this morning, I want to encourage you across all of our campuses. I want to encourage you that I want to give you three simple things that you can do according to Scripture and a story that happened in my life, that if you do these things, then God's going to show up in your life. And God's going to do something just revolutionary because he changed this man's life that we're going to be talking about. But let me start out the message by asking a question. Do you think you can see better than a blind man? Kind of a sarcastic question, but at the same time, there's a story behind it. My brother-in-law came up to me. We're at a coffee shop in Louisville, Kentucky. Our camp just finished, flew to Louisville. I'm speaking at another camp. I don't have to lead this. I just get to preach and leave. But at the same time, at about 7 o'clock, we had a service. I just preached. We had several students give their life to Christ. I'm like, man, God used me. I was his instrument. I was his vessel. Now it's time to go have some coffee and not do any ministry, if you know what I'm saying. And so I'm sitting there. And Has anybody ever sat down and you know that God wants you to do something or you just need to do something because you know it's the right thing to do, but you just don't want to do it? Have you ever had that before? Okay, nobody's agreeing with me, so neither have I. Like, anytime God calls me to do something, I'm like, I'm here. Yes, Lord, whatever you need. Not always the case, if I'm going to be real with you all. In fact, when I'm sitting in the coffee shop, this blind man walks in the door, and I see that he needs some help. He's got a walking stick, and he's kind of bumping into some stuff, and I'm just like, this guy needs help. And I probably need to help him, but I don't want to. And I was sitting there, and I was enjoying, enjoying my nice, extra-large, venti, big gulp size hot shot, I'm sorry, my white chocolate peppermint frappuccino mocha. It was so masculine of a drink, they even tied a ribbon around the top and put in a little bow with pink on it and hearts. It's a very manly beverage, but I'm enjoying this, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going, I don't really want to help this blind man. And my wife kind of gives me the eye, like, hello, you know that second Holy Spirit husband? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and, um, and she's like, hello, go help the man. I'm like, okay, I mean, I, I guess I'm a pastor. I've got an obligation to help this guy. And so I get up and I go help him and so I kind of point him to the counter and I'm like, hey, the, the lady's going to walk up in just a second. She's making a coffee right now. She'll come help you. And he's kind of saying, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And then another man walks up and I'm like, sweet, I can go sit down. So I escaped back to my seat and I didn't want to serve. I just wanted to sit. I just wanted to hang out and be by myself, be with my family for just a moment. And so that's what I did. And so we'll get back to that story in just a minute. But here's the thing. We're reading out of John 9. If you've got your Bibles or your device or something like that, if you don't, we'll have it on the screen. But John 9, we're going to be reading verses 6 through 8, and we're going to travel back in the passage in just a minute. But here's the thing. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. He's hanging out with his squad, and he's kind of encounters a blind man. So he begins to tell a little bit of the backstory of what's going on, and Jesus is explaining to his disciples the situation as he has a conversation, and then this happened. So John 9, 6 through 8. Then he, meaning Jesus, spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Let's pray. Jesus, let your word come alive in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's the question I want to ask you guys. If you want God to show up in your life, here's what I ask you to do. Open your eyes. If you want God to show up in your life, open your eyes. Because a lot of times what God has for us is right in front of us. Do you think you can see better than a blind man? Because in this passage, this blind man became seeing. When I'm in that coffee shop, I'm going to tell you a story here in a second about he was, how he was seeing. Because here's the thing. I don't think I can see better than a blind man. 
Because I'm back in the coffee shop and I'm sitting down and you know when you're not doing something and you're feeling guilty about it, but you're not doing anything about it? Well, that was me. I'm enjoying this nice manly beverage and I'm sitting there, my family's talking. I'm feeling guilty because of my disobedience and my sin. And I'm just kind of sitting there like, I should have helped him. I really should have. And then I look over to my right and that man is still helping him. It's probably three or four minutes later. It's been a couple minutes. And let me show you the picture that I took. So not only was I creeping on this dude's conversation by like leaning in, I took a picture. Like talk about being creepy, but y'all are looking at the picture too, so y'all are just as creepy as I was. Um, and so I took the picture, and here's why I took the picture. As I lean into their conversation, I hear the blind man sharing the gospel with the guy that was trying to serve him. And so here's the thing, I needed to be serving the blind man, but instead I was too selfish and too lazy and all that stuff with my own time. And then the man that I should have been serving that was getting served himself began to serve the gospel to the dude that needed Jesus. Talk about seeing clearly. I was not seeing clearly in that moment. And I was just sitting there convicted and broken and all that stuff and confused. And then here's the thing, like, I didn't want to do anything about it. I just kind of wanted to sit there. I'm just like, I cannot believe this happened. But at the same time, I'm learning from this dude because he's using his situation for God's situation, for God's glory. So I realized many, at that moment that I've realized many times before, and some of y'all may have realized this before too. I realized in that moment, I'm just a big turd. Like when it comes down to it, like this blind man is being a pastor when I'm the pastor. And it was just incredible watching that. So if you go back to this passage, the blind man heard from Jesus. He listened to him and he realized something. He said, okay, I can do what Jesus told me to do and my life could be changed forever or I could just go on living the life that I was living and nothing would change. So he did what Jesus, did what Jesus asked and then here's what happened. One encounter with Jesus changed everything. One encounter with Jesus changes everything, not only for this blind man, not only for the blind man in this coffee shop, but for our life as well. Because here's the thing, when I step out in faith and do what I know God's called me to do, I don't think I've ever looked back and gone, man, I wish I wouldn't have done what God called me to do. A lot of times I don't wanna do it, and a lot of times I'm not enjoying it when I'm doing it, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. But then following it, I'm like, Thank God I got out of my selfishness and did what God called me to do because that was a lot of fun. Because here's the thing, let me give you an example. We're at a church where it's like a modern day miracle. Every single week, hundreds of people come here for the first time across all of our campuses. Every single week we get to see God work and do incredible things. Well, here's the thing. A lot of us are here and we like to do what I did in the coffee shop is just sit. When God's called us to serve, We've got some incredible ministries here. We got an amazing kids ministry. My kids get to be a part of that. Amazing student ministry. We got to watch that at camp and it was incredible watching God work and hearing them share their stories and how God worked in their life and all that kind of stuff. We've got an amazing parking lot ministry, production, media. Maybe you're just like, you know what? I don't really want to talk to anybody or all that kind of stuff. Man, you could direct cones out in the parking lot. You could set up chairs. You could clean up. There's so many different things that you can do. And if we're going to continue to grow like God's given us people, then some of us have got to get out of our comfort zone and do what God's called us to do and serve. And so I want to challenge you this. If you're like, man, I'm just waiting for a sign, maybe this is the sign that God's been waiting to give you. This is maybe your response to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to quit sitting and I'm going to begin to serve. I'm going to go out in the atrium after the service and I'm going to go to the Next Step Center at one of our campuses and I'm just going to ask, hey, where can I serve? What can I do? 
And don't even have an agenda. Just say, you know what, I'm ready to serve. Some of y'all might go, you know what, God's been calling me to work with kids for a while. It's just time to step up. Then just do it. It's amazing when you just do something, how God uses it, because God's calling us. And don't wait for a sign, because God could be calling you right now. Here's something else we can open up our eyes to. The student's world is completely different from what we're experiencing right now, what we've experienced all our life. Because uh, let, me, let me give you an example. Um, like when we, when we open our eyes, we see those that are in need. Maybe, maybe some of y'all know a young man named Chad Dittman. He's a servant at our broadcast campus right here. He greets out at the doors out there. He's there every week. He's always got a crazy suit on. He's got a, a short suit on today, like short shorts and nice shoes and a tie and everything. I'm like, bro, that, that doesn't work at all, but he looks amazing. And I don't know how he pulls it off. I, I like subconsciously, like I get, I kind of judge him and stuff like that. But then subconsciously, I'm like, I wish I could pull that off. In fact, my daughter said to him, she said, daddy, why can't you be as cool as him? I said, that's really sweet, London. Now you're grounded. She really did say that to me. It was pretty funny. But here's the thing. Chad Dittman went to our camp last year and he met a young man named Matthew. I'm going to show that picture for y'all. He met a young man named Matthew. And he starts to pour into Matthew, and he doesn't give his life to Christ. This year at camp, he's not in the same tribe or group as Matthew, but he still pours into him from afar. He shares the gospel with him over and over. Hey, man, God's working your heart, isn't he? I know he is. I know he is. You're doing something. You ready to give your life to Christ? And then before too long, he just smiles real big, and Chad knows he's ready to give his life to Christ. So long story short, Chad leads him to Christ. And then at the end of the camp, here's the exciting part. I'm going to show you a picture of Chad after he baptized Matthew. Chad opened his eyes to a need and God used him to lead him to Christ and to baptize him. And so here's the thing, there's a lot of Matthews out in this world and there's still a lot of Matthews out there. So we have to open up our eyes to the students' world they live in. Because here's the thing, when I look back at my past, I look back when I was a kid, I heard all the time, maybe you've heard this statement, when I was a kid, have you ever heard that before? Have you ever heard those words before when I was a kid? And I don't know why it's always said in a raspy voice. It just sounds better. So I'm going to continue with that. When I was a kid, I walked to school in the snow both ways, uphill. That doesn't make any sense, people. If your grandpa grandparents said that to you, they lied. Unless they live like in an upside-down, crooked bowl, like popcorn bowl or something. I don't really understand how it happened. But we always talk about, even us people my age and younger, I'm about 21 years old. Um, but we talk about how, man, you don't understand how hard we had it. And we talk to teenagers and that stuff all the time. But here's the thing. We didn't have this. This right here, let me just tell you, adults, people my age, which like I said, about 21. Um, but here's the thing. This is a game changer because you can access the world from this phone. Click of a button, our students are looking at pornography. With the click of a button, they're comparing themselves to the entire of the world, and they're seeing everybody's highlight reel, as Pastor Bill calls it. And then they see the highlight reel, and they're like, I'm never going to amount to that person. And then depression is the result. And anxiety is the result. So when we say, you don't know how hard we had it, listen, parents, adults, you don't know how hard they have it. And I've watched it, and it's heartbreaking. It's heart-wrenching because it's just challenging and difficult. So I want you to understand something. It's a different world because I remember back in my day, I had a pager. You know what I'm saying? Anybody have a pager in here? But here's the thing. I didn't have one of those black ones, the ones that look like a little brick, like a garage door opener hanging off your hip or something like that. I had one of the clear blue ones because I was, I was hip. I was cool. 
I was like the most down redheaded white kid you'd ever meet, if you know what I'm saying. And so like I had a gold chain that connected it into my pocket. I'd pull it out and be like, this is my girl. Can we pull over? And then you say this, then you say this, anybody got a quarter for a payphone? You remember, you remember that? Some of y'all remember that? And then you'd be like, I'm gonna go call my girl and you walk over there, you go to the phone. I don't know why I'm strutting, it just feels better to strut over there. And then, you, and then you go pick up the phone and you're like, oh, it's 35 cents now, I need another dime. You remember when it went to 35 cents? They pick up the phone and you're like, hey mom, do you need something? That's what I would do. I don't know about y'all, but that's how I would roll. But the world that we live in is completely different than the world that the teenagers live in today. So we need to open our eyes to the people around us and what God has placed in our life. Second thing I want you to do, if you want God to show up in your life, is use your platform. Use your platform. So this guy in the coffee shop, he walked in and he was either praying or thinking through, who am I going to minister to today? Or maybe naturally, like I, I honestly, I bet this was him. Maybe naturally he just thought, you know what? Whenever I get a chance to talk to anybody or somebody comes to help me, I'm gonna use my platform being blind. I'm gonna use my platform to minister to people. I bet that was him. I really don't know. That's an assumption. But at the same time, he used his platform to share Jesus with people. You may sit there and say, you know what, Nate? I'm, I'm not blind. I don't have a platform. Guess what? Yes, you do. Every single one of you in this room, no matter what platform you're standing on, You've got your family, you've got your friends, you've got coworkers, your classmate, people at the gym, people that are following you online, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snap, MySpace. If you have MySpace, you need to move on. It's time to grow up. <laughs> but at the same time, you've got a platform and don't wait for your next platform. Wherever you are is your platform that God's given you. And then maybe when you're faithful in this platform, God's gonna give you another one to step up to and you've got another platform. But wherever you are, God's got you there for a reason. And if you mess up, you know what? I've messed up before too. You know what? I messed up and I didn't get to minister to that guy and I, I heard him and I started feeling convicted. And then my wife once again looked at me and says, you need to talk to him. And I'm like, shut up, woman. <laughs> I didn't say that. I would never say that. But at the same time, I probably thought it. I'm gonna be real with you. I probably thought it. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? She's right. And as the Holy Spirit's talking to me, she's talking to me as well, and, and, and she's exactly right. And so I got up, and I went and talked to this man. I said, hey, man, it's Nate, the guy that I was helping you a minute ago. Um, I just want to talk to you for a minute. And before I could even open my mouth again, he begins to tell me about Jesus. And I'm just like, I'm the pastor here. Shut your mouth, sir. And so I started to listen to him and I said, man, that's incredible. And so then I got to encourage him with some stuff. He got to encourage me. I got to pray over him. It was a neat platform that he used. And so no matter where you are, maybe you're on the west side and you're like, I don't know what my platform is. God's got you where he wants you for a reason. Maybe you're one of our God behind bars guys. God's got you there for a reason. That's your platform. Use it. Let's go on in this passage. We're actually gonna to rewind to the first part of this chapter, chapter nine, verses one through three. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been born blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It is not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened, don't miss this. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. How confused are the disciples? Or maybe how confused are we? I remember in college, I used to just skip a quiet time or not read my Bible for a day and I'd have a bad day the next day. And I'd go, that must be God punishing me because I didn't get in the word. Or, or maybe this man's born blind because of sins that he committed, in a, which didn't make sense in former life because there's no such thing as reincarnation. 
So, so what are they thinking, but what are we thinking? We think that God punishes us when we do wrong. That's not how God rolls. God is love, and he wants the best for us, and he's going to encourage us. Now, I may send something in the road to block us, a roadblock, to redirect our path, and sometimes we look at that as pain, but sometimes it's a benefit to what God wants. But here's the thing. If God were about punishment and all that, then why is the New, New Testament based on grace? Because grace is getting something you don't deserve. Getting something you don't deserve is grace, and some of you have heard that before. It's God's grace is a free gift. Salvation is free through Jesus because he's the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Mercy is not getting something we deserve. I think about the cross with that because, man, I'm going to be honest with you all. If you saw or heard some of the things that I've done in my life when I was in college and even beyond college, or some of the, maybe some of the things that I thought in the past week even, you'd probably be like, I'm not listening to him. I deserve to be on the cross. And so did we, but that's mercy because Christ died in our place when we deserve to be on the cross. So mercy is not getting something that we deserve because God is love. He doesn't sit up in heaven and just get mad at us. That's not how God works. He wants us changed. And we can't blame him for things that have gone wrong in our life because sometimes they're a result of our decisions. You know, a young man at camp, it was pretty, pretty incredible, um, at high school camp, this young man stood up in front of the entire camp and he told the story about how his dad used to beat him. His dad used to abuse him, and he left him, and then his mom abandoned him for a while through different things that happened in his life. And then he said, but you know what? This week I gave my life to Christ. And then in other words, in a, in a, kind of in a certain way, he kind of said, you know what? And even though I don't have a great earthly father, I've got an incredible heavenly father that loves me and wants the best for me. And so he didn't sit there and say, you know what? God did this to me. And I'm, and I'm just, it just breaks my heart that God would do this for me. I mean, I, I still gave my life to Christ. All that. No, no. He said, you know what? God loves me and he wants the best for me. So when you're having a bad day, church, it's not because God did that to you. That's not how God works. And that's where the disciples got confused because they didn't understand. Here's the thing. It's pretty interesting because this man in the, in the passage, he has a disability, but God uses it as an opportunity. God uses his disability as an opportunity to watch God work. Your disability that you've been praying away could be the opportunity that God wants to show that he's shown up in your life and trying to use you. Or maybe your past, your pain, maybe that's your disability. Your attack, your situation, your, maybe even your sin struggle. Maybe the thing that you've been praying away or trying to push out of your life, the pain that you've experienced, maybe even physical pain, maybe something that happened in your life, the thing that you're praying away is the thing that God's trying to use as an opportunity to display his works through you. And so don't just abandon everything that's going on in your life. It could be your platform that God's given for you. Don't wait for your next platform. God's trying to use you now. Has anyone ever heard of the actor Chris Pratt? He did a pretty incredible thing this week. Several of you have heard of him. He's not in very popular movies, only uh, Jurassic World, Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers, Passengers, probably like the best movies of the most recent years he's been a part of. He's an incredible actor. Well, this past week, he won the MTV Generations Award. And so it's basically all the, the next generation, teenagers and more, um, they vote and support him, and he's done some amazing things. It's kind of a Lifetime Achievement Award by MTV. And so people told me to watch this testimony. I'm like, it's by MTV. I don't think I really want to watch it, if I'm going to be honest with you. Because the last time I turned on that channel was probably about 25, 30 years ago, and it was not very honorable what I saw on MTV. But at the same time, he won this award, and he used it as a platform to encourage people. 
Last time, most of the time when people get these awards, what they do is they use it as a political platform or they use it to complain about something, but he used it to speak positively about something and he spoke about the name of Jesus. It was pretty neat. Like the third point, he did some things to kind of relate to his crowd and all this. So he used kind of almost crass jokes, but they were hilarious. The third point I think was, he said, listen, this next generation, don't be a turd. And I'm like, that's some great advice. I'm like, listen, you're speaking in their language. And I'm like, if only my kids would follow that advice. Like, I will have arrived as a pastor and a parent. But I'm just kidding. I got great kids. But, but watch this video real quick and watch what he says in his platform. Um, this being the Generation Award, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut to the chase and I'm going to speak to you, the next generation, okay? I accept the responsibility as your elder. So listen up. You have a soul. Be careful with it. Learn to pray. It's easy, and it's so good for your soul. God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Believe that. I do. Nobody is perfect. People are going to tell you you're perfect just the way you are. You're not. You are imperfect. You always will be. But. There is a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you're willing to accept that, you will have grace. And grace is a gift. And like the freedom that we enjoy in this country, that grace was paid for with somebody else's blood. Do not forget it. Don't take it for granted. God bless you. Please get home safely. Thank you. It's incredible. So, yeah, you can give that a hand. Absolutely. It's really neat because he said all this and Twitter blew up. Like online, everybody's talking about it. Across my feed was Chris Pat testimony, Chris Pat testimony. I'm like, MTV, I'm like not even paying attention to it. And people were like text me like, you gotta watch this, this is incredible. And I watch it, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. His haters were talking about it. His followers were talking about it. Everybody was talking about it. He changed the world for a second because he spoke about God in the moment. He changed the world for a second because he spoke about God in the moment. And that's what we need to do. We, use our, we need to use our platform. And here's the thing. It only takes one and then others will follow. It's pretty neat. In one of our previous services, we had one young man just up here. It was a student. I told the students, like, hey, come up here. Let's just go crazy and worship. And he's just dancing and yelling and jumping and, hey, hey. And I'm like, you can't do that in church. And he's, he's sitting up there. And then, like, all kinds of people come out around them and gather. And I'm like, I want to go join in. I'm jumping in, acting like a teenager. And I'm like, <sighs> <laughs> but, but at the same time, one man started and then others followed. It's the exact same thing with, with Christ. Follow Jesus, others will follow you. God's given you a platform, be a light for Christ. Last point for today is this. If you want God to show up in your life, tell your story. If you want God to show up in your life, tell your story, no matter what your story is. Because listen to this, San Antonio. So here's what's going on. We're in chapter nine, and the Pharisees are kind of like the religious leaders of the day. They're kind of like the government of the day that's kind of telling everybody what to do and what not to do and all this kind of stuff, making all these rules. And the, so they didn't like Jesus because he's going to get some of their rules and standards. And so they're talking to the blind man like, this man's not right. He didn't heal you and this, all this, all this kind of stuff. And so this is what this man does. He can't stop sharing his story. John 9, 15 says this. The Pharisees asked the man, all about it. So he told them he couldn't stop sharing a story. He put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. 
They accuse Jesus of being a sinner, of, of not being the son of God. And then, and then listen to what he says next. This is revolutionary. They ask him again, 10 verses later, probably a few minutes later in the real story. He says this. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. This man didn't know what was going to happen. He could have gotten beaten. He was getting threatened for getting kicked out of the synagogue, which is the church. He didn't know if he was going to lose his family and everybody was going to abandon him. He just kept telling his story. Listen, you may sit there and you say, I was blind. I was a sinner. I was filled with disgust. I did this. I did that. My past is ugly. I can't believe some of the things that I did. I had no hope. I didn't have Jesus. I was blind. But now, but now I see because all the things that were my past, they're past. I have hope, I have Jesus, I have a new life, I have a new family, I have a home in heaven when I die, and all that stuff, it's gone. The things that people spoke over me, it's not true, because I have Jesus and he believes in me. I was blind, but now I see. Tell your story, church, because it changes the world. And if it hasn't changed your life yet, it will. It really will. So when you begin to see clearly, others will see a clear change in you. When you begin to see clearly, others will see a clear change in you. And they saw it in the blind man. I got several texts from parents following camp, and they're just like, something happened in my daughter's life. Something happened in my son's life. And God changed them people will begin to notice when you live a changed life. At camp, God did more work, especially in our Rockport, Rockport Fulton campus students. It's pretty incredible. So last year, they didn't have a church building. They did, I'm sorry, they did, I'm sorry. They did have a church building. They did have a student ministry that met weekly. They had people pouring into them and all this kind of stuff. And they took 21 students. Man, praise the Lord, that's awesome. But this year, they didn't have a church building. They didn't have a student ministry weekly and pour, people pouring into them but they brought 36 students because two teenagers, two teenagers stepped up and they told their story. Watch this video. I'm Allison Michael and I'm 17 years old and this is my brother Luke. My name's Luke and I'm 18 years old and we've been attending Church Unlimited Rockport Fulton for six years and we've been attending student camp for six years as well. August 25th, Hurricane Harvey hit and with that destruction, it brought a lot of destruction to you know the town of Rockport not only destroying our church, but our home. Throughout the storm and throughout that whole process of us dealing with that, we you know, not only turned our back on God, but turned our back on our family. We became more of a group of individuals and then an actual family. It you know, took us time to you know, finally realize, okay, hey, we can't do this on our own. We can't do this, we can't fight this fight by ourselves. But in the end, we had to humble ourselves and put ourselves under God. When camp was coming around, we knew, like, I was like, I knew that, all right, this is our moment. This is like, this is the week where I know I'm gonna, you know, dive back into Christ. I'm gonna, you know, God's just gonna, he's gonna speak to me in some awesome and awesome way that I can't experience it by myself. At first, they're like, no, I'm not going, I'm too busy. No, it's just five days out of your summer. Like, come on, you could get a scholarship out of this. Why not just go? They're like, okay, okay, I'll fine. Is it gonna be fun? I was like, you just wait and see. We had 36 people from Rockport come to camp. 
And out of those 36, 13 were baptized and 11 were saved. And, you know, that's, that right there just, you know, says it all. In the past two weeks uh, coming back from student camp, the relationships with my friends, you know, have grown tremendously. Yes, we were a close-knit group before, but now, you know, we're all on the same page, you know. We're all on fire. We're all thinking the same. We all want the same thing. And being able to just watch all of us grow together and walk with Christ together is something so tremendous that I really can't even explain it. It's something you have to experience. It wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the people who gave and, you know, really took that step in their faith saying, all right, hey, we're going to pay for these kids. So for those of you who did that, thank you so much. Two young people were fired up. 36 lives were changed. 13 of them gave their life to Christ because of two people. If you want God to show up in your life, allow him in your life to open your eyes. Begin to use your platform and share your story and watch God work through you. I'm gonna read you one more verse and we're gonna begin to close out. John 9, 35 says this. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world, he's talking to the blind man, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, which we just saw, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. To show those that think they see that they are blind. This man was blind and can now see clearly. You know, some of y'all can relate with that. You can say that's your testimony. I was blind, but now I can see. Some of you in, your, in this room, might, your testimony might be, might be that of the Pharisees. I feel like I can see clearly, but and there's, there's constant stories where I'm, I'm pushing back the blind man who's telling a story or something of God work and I'm just laughing at him. Or maybe somebody says, God bless you, and you're just like, whatever, man. But here's the thing. He got kicked out of the church because he was more worried about what God thought than what the Pharisees thought. And, and maybe us in this room, we're more concerned about the approval of man than the approval of God. And, and some of you in this room, you might connect with the blind man, but some of y'all might connect more with the Pharisees. And so, so here's what I wanna ask you to do. Can you see better than a blind man? I wanna offer you the opportunity to receive your sight for the first time today. If everybody bow your head and close your eyes, open your heart across all of our campuses. Can you see better than a blind man? Today I wanna to offer you sight. I wanna give you the chance for this to be your story just like this blind man. One thing I do know is I was blind, but now I see was his testimony. So here's the thing, I wanna invite you, I wanna ask you to receive sight today for the first, the only, and the last time. You can, you can understand, you know what, man, I've sinned. I don't deserve what God did for me, but I understand I, I've been born blind, but I understand that Jesus gave his life so that I didn't have to give mine, I didn't have to die on the cross, he died for me. He lived a life that I couldn't live to die the death that I deserved. And you're, if you're sitting there and you say, you know what? I wanna be able to see clearly just like that blind man. I wanna be able to surrender my life to Christ just like that blind man when he went and washed in the pool of Siloam. If you wanna receive Christ for the first time, if you wanna receive your sight for the first time, I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer to surrender your life to Christ. We'll be praying it across all of our campuses. If you'd bow your heads and close with me. Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my life 
and take over. Be my Lord, be my Savior. I turn from my sin, I turn to you. Give me sight, I surrender my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.